Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. Thank you for joining me. This is Benjamin. In this segment of our show, we're talking about what this country experienced during the 1930s. We know it to be the Dust Bowl. What was the recipe of this disaster? Well, my guests will be delving into that. How was general health and livestock, wildlife affected? Stay tuned for that. As we know, the Great Depression was precipitated by the market crash of 1929, but also the misery and the calamity that was brought on by unprecedented droughts that triggered a tremendous exodus to survive. Let's now invite the Public Communications Coordinator of the Kansas Historical Society, to our show, Emily Holloway. You know, there's no question that in in the 1930s, it conveys the power of the human spirit. Uh, In fact, uh, the pain that accompanies adversity and tragedy in all levels in life. And I'm happy to have Emily Holloway on the show with me to help us to reflect on those years, because those are years that are not to be forgotten and they are known as the Dust Bowl years. But before we get into our subject matter, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, Emily, and the organization you represent, if you would. Yeah, so I am the communications coordinator for the Kansas Historical Society out of Topeka, Kansas. So we are the State Historical Society. Um, We're a state agency. So we have an archives, a museum, and 15 state historic sites around the state. And our goal is to preserve the history of Kansas. Very good. Okay. And I, I, I think it, uh, I, I looked at your website and there's plenty there to be, uh, to learn from and it's very educational. And uh, so I'd like to ask you what created, incidentally, what created the recipe for the disaster that led up to uh, the Dust Bowl as it was coined back then? And, and how many years did that uh, cover, Emily? Yeah, so the 1930s really have two main events going on, and it's important to distinguish between the two. Mm -hmm. So first you have what we know as the Great Depression, which starts in October of 1929 when the stock market crashes. And this lasts basically the entire decade. It really doesn't start getting much better until you have the start of World War II in 1941. But at the same time, for the Plains states, such as Kansas, particularly Western Kansas, we have what we know as the Dust Bowl. And there's several factors that played into making this kind of a terrible economic, or not economic, um, environmental disaster that it really it was. Yes. So first we have, you know, a drought. And for Kansans and people in, in that area, I mean, a drought itself was not cause for concern to begin with because we've mm-hmm. had droughts before. Uh, but the fact that it's lasting about 10 years, it lasted pretty much the entire decade. Some years were worse than others, but it doesn't really get fully better until the end of the decade. Um, and on top of that, you also have things like the invention of a new plow and technology. So actually, Kansan, uh, Charles Angel, he created a plow that while it sounds great and it works really, really well, some historians have said it did contribute to the Dust Bowl. Um, It was a one-way plow, and the way that it worked, it basically pulverized the soil, and this made the ground more susceptible to blowing, which helped contribute to what we know as the dust storms and all of that through the dust bowl. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You also have another factor, which actually goes back to World War One. So at the end of, um, or right before the 1920s. Yeah. So you have a very large need for wheat at that point because you need to feed your American troops, etc. And you had campaigns like win the war with wheat. So we had a lot of planning and production of wheat, which does tax the soil that much production. And you also had what we call suitcase farmers, which they would, they were transitory farmers and they spent enough time in the state to plant um, and return for the harvest, but they weren't particularly worried about the protection of the land long-term. Mm. So I'm sure there were other factors as well, but those sure. are some of the top ones that contributed to what we know as the Dust Bowl. Yes, very good. What would you say the average uh, size of the farm? Would you have an idea? Just I to... mean, it's certainly smaller than what we think of today because we yes. think of commercial farming when we think of farming. But at the time, I mean, you had in Kansas, particularly like prior to the 1930s, you did have more like 160 acre sized farms. And, you know, I'm sure it varied, obviously, but it's definitely was small enough and different enough than what we think of today that it, oh, yeah. it hit the farm families more than just their crops it was their livelihood mm-hmm. very good in fact what uh, prompted me to call you and 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 do a, a show on this topic is that i'm a farm boy uh, myself um, grew okay. up on a farm and uh, and i can relate to that uh, there, there were some small farms but Anymore, yep. there you, you have corporate farms and by the thousands of acres, you know. Yeah, it's definitely uh, different. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. And, and by the way, how was the phrase Dust Bowl? How, how did that come about? Okay, so I tried to look this up because it was not something that I was super familiar with. Let me mm-hmm. see if I can find it here. I mean, I think a lot of it was just contributing to the fact that you did have so much mm-hmm. dust. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's oh, just yeah. dusty. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, ha- I had someone describe it. I, I read it. That's what I did. I read this where you can liken it going to the beach and you get all that sand on you, you know, and your hair and everywhere. Every, oh, yeah. Looking cranny, cr- you know, but then a dust bowl was 100 times worse than that because we're talking oh, yeah. about very, very fine particulates, you know, and yeah. no, no matter how sealed your home might have been. There was always dust on the furniture, and so it uh, it was uh, very tragic. How did this affect the general health of folks in, uh, in those areas? Not yeah. to mention livestock and wildlife as well. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely you had to avoid things like yes. you know dust pneumonia. I mean, it could get in your lungs, and that could be very very bad. <laughs> um, one particular story was of this couple. On the Moldens, they were driving home in 1935, and a dust storm actually hit them while they were in their car. Mm. And so the car leaves the road, of course, and it fills with dust. And of course, the air is just stifling, and they really they have to leave the automobile because, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to choke. Mm. Mm. Um, and they begin walking on foot, fighting this dust, and they find a barbed wire fence and Eventually, they do find some shelter, but the exposure from the cold, because it was in March, and they had eye injuries, and the, uh, the wife had eye injuries, and the husband had some severe cuts on his body as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think dust is, I know that I sometimes think of it as dust is just like, oh, that's inconvenient, but no, it can be painful, and it can get in your lungs. Yes, yes. And breathing it in is not enjoyable. <laughs> oh, yes, Yeah. yeah. 
that's a, you can well imagine it's a, it darkened the skies. I know that much from what I've read and it's, uh, yeah. it's just horrible. How did this affect livestock and wildlife incidentally? Um, well, I'm sure it did impact it. I mean, as, as it does humans mm-hmm. breathing it in, I don't know the specifics on that, but I do know there were some unique issues that they faced. Like they had a lot of jackrabbits mm-hmm. actually during the Dust Bowl and the communities would actually get together to have kind of these events to get rid of them. So mm-hmm. you, and that wasn't oh, yeah. necessarily due to the dust, of course, but like the conditions created mm-hmm. it, so that they had to fight what you would never think they'd have to fight. Right. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> Being a farm, uh, farm boy, I, I know you can, uh, as far as wheat, you indicated wheat, um, mm-hmm. you can probably get about 50 bushels, uh, 50 bushels of wheat per acre. And I understand because of those droughts, uh, you were talking about only four bushels of wheat per acre. So it it, it was devastating. I, I can uh, well imagine. What extremes did folks get into uh, doing? Uh, anyone try to make it rain or... or and put up with the yeah. atmospheric repercussions? You know, I, I didn't see any individual stories of individuals themselves doing it. But what I do know is that there were some people called rainmakers. And this had been around before the 1930s. But, you know, they they had this idea that they were going to make it rain. And they sold that idea. And obviously, it didn't really work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I well imagine. I, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now we're talking about uh, ten years, approximately. Am I correct? Uh, what, yeah. About ten years. And approximately. I know, yeah. I, yeah, and I know it's just not wasn't just one drought. I believe there was a, a three or four droughts, a consecutive mm-hmm. droughts that really uh, it was a real real knockout economically and, and otherwise. Um, yeah. Would you speak how speak to how the ecosystem uh, was that affected any uh, at all? Was it disrupted? You know, I don't know a whole lot about mm-hmm. the long-term effects of it, just because that's not something I've researched. Really. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But certainly for the 30s, it it did. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I can. I, I, yeah. The um, you know when uh, we speak of the Dust Bowl, uh, city extended uh, into how many states would you say? Uh, you're you're in Kansas, correct? Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. So you have differing levels of how it impacted. So your worst part of the Dust Bowl is in that corner where you've got part of like southwestern Kansas and uh, Colorado and a little bit of New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas. So there's that center there where it's worse. Um, But certainly it was further than just that little section. Um, But for the most part, that area there, western Kansas, um, eastern Colorado, a little bit of northeastern New Mexico, the panhandle of Oklahoma and Texas, those are going to be your worst states mm. that it's impacting. Yes. But some of the dust did reach like the East Coast when you had these bad dust storms. So you certainly did see it. It was just harder on <laughs> the plain states. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've heard uh, some anecdotal uh, 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 experiences about that in fact they i know you, you mentioned one one experience there any other recorded or actual accounts you'd like to relate to us that can that can help us to appreciate it uh, uh, yeah okay. uh, one woman named pauline winkler gray she left some accounts of 
what she experienced. And she described one particular day where it just started out with blue skies, except they could see kind of a gray blue haze to the north. And that's when they knew that something was coming. So they began preparing for this storm and they covered the cracks of their house with adhesive tape. And by noon, the air pressure began to drop very, very quickly. And the storm hit and everything just went black. And she said she could hear the pounding of gravel on the house and it just shook the house. The wind did. And it lasted until the evening. So several hours. Mm. My goodness. We are chatting with the public communications coordinator of the Kansas Historical Society in Topeka, Kansas. She is speaking to what led up to the economic and agricultural debacle that took place in the 1930s. And we are highlighting, however, the importance of the resilience of the human spirit to survive while in the throes of the Great Depression. Here she is again, Emily Holloway. Um, I know, uh, as I indicated, uh, I had um, what prompted me to was to have the show was that uh, I knew one of the survivors from that was from uh, oh wow yeah from the from the Great Plains there and yeah. he came to California. I grew up with his boys, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him. In fact, uh, in this area here, uh, in the Kern County area, it's mm-hmm. about uh, 100 miles north of Los Angeles, okay. and he always uh, spearheaded the annual festival for the Dust Bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's in documentaries. He's on uh, uh, public radio. I mean, all over the world. He, you know, on mag, uh, newspapers and magazines. So he, he was quite a celebrity here in this area. He's passed away a few years ago, but I, I grew up with that family there. But uh, he lived uh, through this era here, and he talks about extreme. He, was, he suffered extreme poverty, discrimination as well, he would yeah. tell me. Uh, plenty of heartache and what was so interesting that he would sit there for hours and I'd be there sitting listening to him and he'd always have a smile (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, meaning you know I survived it right you know I I went through that and I survived it but he would um, he would talk about uh, no I never went hungry he'd said he'd say to me Ben I never went hungry but I can't tell you I cannot tell you about my dad you know, and you stop and think about that, you know, and he talks about when uh, they stopped on the top of the uh, Tehachapi Mountains. I'm not sure you're familiar with this area, but Tehachapi Mountains, uh, if you're on top, you can see the whole valley. And it was breathtaking, he said. It was just breathtaking when he saw the valley, much more than what they dreamt about, you know. And uh, and it, in fact, uh, this area is uh, referred to in many ways, the basket of the food basket of the world, um, MLA. So, and it was just rich with agriculture here. It still is, in fact. But unfortunately, there were just too many workers, too many workers Mm -hmm. for uh, very few jobs. They had to live on the sides of the roads, uh, make uh, shift camps called Oakeyvilles, he would tell me. And Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, he still remembers, it was until uh, the federal government intervened and uh, created government-run camps to to help these folks and uh, they were able to set their tents uh in fact they had their own space and he st- i remember him saying it was space 529 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he paid a dollar his dad paid a dollar and a quarter per week 
And wow. and after that, uh, after a while, they, they moved into a tin house. Can you imagine that? A tin oh, house. Man. And you know, have you ever uh, been to Central California? It is. Uh, it, it does get pretty warm. Very very warm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he was quite a celebrity. And uh, in fact, an, uh, uh, a writer, an author by the name of uh, Mark Arax wrote about him, his biography, and he, it was entitled The Last Oki of Lamont. Okay. <laughs> that that well, was the, awesome. the title <laughs> of his biography. Lamont was the town he lived in. <clears throat> and he's, there's still relatives and still I still keep up with his sons. Uh, they're all over the country now, but I still keep up uh, with with them as well, but it was, it was quite an experience for me, and, uh, and that's why uh, I wanted to have this show with you and uh, share the public to the public that uh, we got to keep these uh, these years alive uh, because for it sure. does it is demonstrable of the human spirit. And uh, would you speak to the immigration? Many had, of course, had to leave their farms, Emily. And what uh, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I tried to find solid numbers, and that is mm -hmm. really hard to do because it counts very so much and studies very oh, yes. so very much. Yes. Um, so I won't I won't give specific numbers. It, it does definitely look like you know there is a decent number of people that were either you know moving yes. in some regard or heading yes. west, etc. But from what I could see. And, that, and that's not to discredit the fact that people did move, but it wasn't, I think there's kind of a perception that like everybody packed up and moved. And that's certainly not the case. Mm -hmm. um, a larger percentage did stay. Um, but that, you know, that's not to say that, that those didn't move like, like what you shared. They did move to California oh, and other yes. places. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the, um, uh, John uh, Steinbeck's uh, novel, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which of course, uh, I remember who was it? Henry Fond in that movie, yeah, Joe. Yeah, he was called Joe. The yeah. Grapes of Wrath suggests that there was much animus. Uh, why would you say that was the case, or is it true? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, certainly there was yeah. some negativity towards people oh, yeah. that were coming from the yeah. plains in California, mm -hmm. etc. Um, not wanting those people to be yeah. there and then take up space and jobs, etc. Exactly. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think you have some of that, um, yeah. whether or not that was everyone's experience. Probably not. I don't probably know. Not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. not you, you, yeah, you're, you're correct, because I mean, there's a little yeah. of everything, right? Yep, exactly. And, um, according to the this fellow that I knew here that passed away, um, uh, there, there was some animosity, but uh, yeah, sure. people were, it, were talking about the depression years, you know, and, and folks yeah. were, were afraid of uh, someone taking their mm -hmm. jobs. And there's a lot of competition there to be had. Mm -hmm. And um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, as you indicated, some stayed in their farms and uh, yeah. and good for them, because I, I think things did turn around eventually. Did the yeah, dust sure. have uh, an effect on uh, social and Cultural, from a cultural standpoint, uh, what can you tell us whether that was the case or not? Yeah, I did some research on this and it was very interesting actually because you have multiple things going on. I mean, you have the federal government having mm -hmm. programs to obviously help people with jobs. And then some of this was not just what you think of as like manual labor type jobs. I mean, you right. had art and entertainment and things also. But what I found really interesting was how the, a lot of times the communities would come together to entertain themselves in a low cost manner. So that could be, you know, social events where they have some form of entertainment, um, even informal dinner parties, things like that to really help 
bond together, which I thought was really cool. I mean, this was mostly specifically Kansas that I saw, but I mean, I'm sure that this happened in other places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's really cool. I mean, I know communities have always bonded together, but you know, in the face of such a hard time, it's really neat to see that they still were doing this. And I mentioned earlier the jackrabbit drives, and while that may sound like a little dreary to people today, I mean, people sure. did what they had to, to do, and they were a threat to their livelihood as all of those jackrabbits. So mm-hmm. it also brought brought the community together to do something on a Sunday afternoon, I believe, is when they had them in the late winter, early spring. Yes, very good. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, the way I see it, when things get tough, family, mm-hmm. there's either two things will happen, either two things from a social standpoint. Either the family will pull together or yeah. they will pull apart completely. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I know that there were many men that just abandoned their families. Uh, they just couldn't couldn't uh, put up with it. I just couldn't handle it. You know, yeah. uh, so it's either you know, to one end of the pendulum or the other, it seems to me, well, when things really, really get tough like that. So it uh, and part of our show uh, on your lot and parcel show, Emily, it's the encouragement of the family unit yeah. to solidify it and mm-hmm. to understand that, uh, again, as I indicated at the outset, that the the human spirit is alive and well and and, 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 it, and it always will be if we just uh, stick together, you know, yeah. through hardship and so forth. Are there any uh, any myths about the depression that you, you, you think that we should know about? No, I don't know. I think there's perceptions of it, and it's uh-huh. important to look at the exact facts. You know, like I said, you know, I assumed as a kid, most people packed up and they left, which that, uh-huh. you look at the numbers, that's not necessarily the case. And, here, you know, right. different accounts and it's important to just look at these people's actual stories and the accounts that they left for us to see what they experienced. I guess who better to tell us how it was than the people who experienced it? Yes. Very good. Um, would you speak to the importance, uh, Emily, to the importance of keeping this event alive for future generations? Why should we? Let me ask you that. Why should we keep this alive? Yeah, I mean, as with any time period in history, it's important to give life to those voices of those who lived through events and lived before us. Their perspectives and stories give us important glimpses into our or to our past, as well as, you know, they preserve that history for future generations and they help us determine what's going on in the world around us. And I think just like any time, it's important to preserve that for the decibel years as well. Yes, very good. I, I believe that uh, we have to look back to know where we are going. Uh, who was sure. it, uh, that philosopher Santiana, uh, Spanish <laughs> Santiana said, if you don't know your history, you're, you're, you're bound to repeat it, you know, but yeah. I, I, I think uh, they did teach us a lot on, on how to cultivate the, the land for one thing, not to deplete it, yes. you know, to yeah. have uh, rot- rotating crops. Uh, yes, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially covered, covered crops such as alfalfa and, and, yeah. and things like that, bluegrass and so forth. But it's uh, very important because, I mean, that's uh, that's the nucleus of how we survive, and that's food, right? It's, we got to yeah, have food. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, especially in states like Kansas, where we're very agriculturally based. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're in Tampica? Is that where you're at? Yep, I'm in Tampica, yep. Tampica, mm-hmm. Kansas. Um, Emily, how can my uh, listenership contact your organization to support it in, in, uh, in, in 
in whatever way we can do to, to support your organization, how can we reach out? Absolutely. So we have plenty of online resources and things to check out at our website, which is kshs.org. Um, we also have an online encyclopedia, which is kansapedia.org, and a digital archives, which is kansasmemory.org. There and you, you can find ways, uh, ways to reach out to us on our website, and we're always happy to help. Very good. I appreciate that, Emily. Yeah, for well, sure. Well, Emily, um, I appreciate you coming on on uh, your Lot and Parcel show. Thank and you. I want you to know you, you have been a delight to have on the show. Thank you. You have. And uh, I wish you the best. And uh, and if there's anything that we can do for you, you just let us know. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, listeners, if you have a recommendation for a show or you have a question or a comment or just want to say hello, drop me a note at charlottenparcel.org. And now, if you would excuse me. This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com.